Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. Each person's location independent journey is unique. We all have our own creative approaches to business, to travel, and how we blend everything together to manifest our ideal lifestyle. And one of the things that inspires me most day in and day out is when I see the location indie community members consistently taking action towards their goals and leaning on the community along the way for support and advice while also giving back. Each month, we highlight one, in this case, two members of our Location Indie community who are putting in the work that it takes to go LI. And we highlight them not only to recognize their efforts, but also so we can learn from their wins and their setbacks. So excited to welcome this month's Location Indie members of the month, Cassie and Nate. Good luck, Johnson. Congratulations, guys, and welcome. Hey. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm always so excited when we've got two people from a group on a call because we get to hear both perspectives, both sides. Um, so we get double as much goodness today. So what I want you guys to do to start is like take us back because your, your location independent journey, I'm not going to give away too much, started a couple months ago. Uh, well, more than a couple now, uh, five, six months ago. But let's take us back like way before you started Location Independence and give us an idea of what quote unquote normal life was like for you guys. And how did that, how did like this idea that you wanted to be a Location Independent even come about? I didn't know we were going to be a Location Independent and I didn't know. I got slowly trained for the last <laughs> uh, eight years with um, extended vacations. Um, where they would be, you know, one week, then two weeks, then maybe a month. Maybe then it was like, okay, like let's do two times a year at a month. And um, I was, uh, I was uh, freelance landscaping, um, so I could take off some time. But uh, Cassie had a, I guess she was a little bit of a plan um, to get me used to the traveling lifestyle before we went you know, full, full location independent. All right. So, so Nate got like tricked, I guess tricked is a good word into this lifestyle, which is pretty sweet, but you're the one who had the plan then Cassie. So how did that come about? Like where did this idea of location independence or really just building a life that allows you to have the freedom to, to live where you guys are now and, and bump around the world. Where did that come from? Who did you learn that from? Right. Well, First of all, I'll say I don't think I ever had a plan, but <laughs> but I like that he thinks that I did. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, my my mom and I, I mean, we we traveled a lot as growing up as a kid. I mean, my mom was sort of a gypsy, and she grew up in like a hippie era, I guess. And um, she just always had that adventurous spirit. I remember hearing like stories when I was little about all of her adventures through the U.S. and her VW van. And so I think I just always had that um, that sort of spirit in me to do. And um, 
before I met Nate, I mean, I was traveling quite a bit freelancing uh, for filmmaking and um, television and like work, I worked on a feature film in Norway and like I worked, you know, in New York, I worked in LA. So I was kind of moving around myself. Um, and then when we met, I mean, we, we, and travel was always a part of our life, I'd say. I mean, yeah, yeah we got engaged in Morocco and I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> So, I don't know. I think it was just always a big part of our life. I mean, the first six months um, of our relationship, we were long distance dating. And so we would like visit each other and uh, we weren't in the same place. So I think it was just like kind of already part of our, of our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm joking about being (laughs) (laughs) So for you guys, then it sounds like, like, especially for you, Cassie, you were living a lifestyle that was unconventional because you were popping around and and getting and working in film, certainly not your typical nine to five. Hey, I'm going to work my way up a corporate ladder type position. Was there ever a time then that either of you had that type of job or was it or was it just this hey we're gonna like flow into location independence um no i mean yeah i i uh my background was in hospitality management and i always tell the story of when i was getting into it that i thought i would be able to surf and work um and then you get to work and you see like 60 hour weeks and you're living in florida and you're as pale as somebody that you know, lives in maybe Norway or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were, we would actually at one point, at one point, Cassie and I, while we were living together, she was working 12 hour days during the night and I was working 12 hour days during the day. So we would just cross paths in between working. So we were, you know, it was a tough, it was kind of a tough Probably for about three years. Yeah, when we first when we first lived in the same place, it was in LA, and um, I was still working freelance television. But some of the hours are really long, and you can't always choose when, especially when you're getting started in the industry and there. And so, yeah, we just didn't see each other that much, and we kind of thought, well, what are we what are we doing, you know? And so we ended up moving to to Portland, Oregon, when we got married. Um, because Nate's from there and I had always kind of wanted to live there because it's an amazing place. And so we lived there for the last five years. And actually when we got there, both of us were like, what are we going to do? And we kind of were looking for that nine to five job, like, okay, maybe this is what we want. And then like that didn't work out. And so we were like, let's just start our own companies. And so he started a landscaping company and I started my filmmaking company and we ended up like, I, I don't know, like, just being able to make our own hours. We worked really hard, but it was like, we could decide if we wanted to leave for three weeks. Um, And we could take, it was just very project based. So I think both of us tend to like to work that way anyway, because every day is sort of different, you know, it's a different client, a different project. So it just started to like slowly build in that direction of like, we, we can choose, you know, when we work and where we work and who we work with and that sort of thing. So was there ever then a point for you guys? Because like you said, it was like, it was a slow burn. Then at that point, you were getting to take longer vacations, you know, cause you might finish a project, say, all right, let's go for three weeks instead of the one week vacation that someone in a, in a typical environment might have. And so what then, like, what was, I don't want to call it a breaking point. Cause like you said, it would seem 
pretty gradual. But then where was the issue? Like, where was the decision made to say, hey, this is pretty good. We, we like what we're doing. You know, we're, we're our own bosses. Things are going well. We like Portland. Why then leave that behind and say, all right, we're going to go full location independence, get out of Portland. And you could tell the story of all that and how you ended up where, where you are right now. But what was that decision? Like, why give up a pretty good thing to maybe shoot for something that's great? Just kind of traditionally, we collected stuff. I don't know if you've ever been to Portland or most major cities, people put things on the street that they don't want. And you find yourself kind of collecting them all. <laughs> so you bring home like another couch or like four more tables or like a, somebody offers you a desk and you take a new desk. And um, we just kind of started filling up. And when you start to fill up your life and like where all of your closets are full of everything that you could ever, you know, n- never even use in three months, um, you start to kind of almost feel glued to where you are. Uh, so like, <laughs> I guess we have the cat. So there's always an excuse like, oh, you know, like, oh, let's do another project or like, we can't really go like for another month because there's so much stuff here um, that was holding us home. Yeah. And it was like, a it's Portland's a really comfortable place to be. So, I mean, we could have just stayed there and never left, but I think there was something definitely in me, at least that was like, you know, we don't have kids yet and we're still fairly young. I mean, we're not that young, but it's like, you know, why not? Like it kind of had been like churning for a while. And I, I'd been listening to Jason's zero to travel podcast and other travel podcasts. And it was like, Oh my God, I kept telling me there's these people who can like travel and they can work and make money. And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, but you know, the idea was there and then it was, we kind of just kept talking about it. Like, what if we did? And then I think it was when we took a trip to Tulum, Mexico last, like a year and a couple months ago. And we, I just remember we were like on some drive. And when you're, when you're traveling, you're kind of, your mind is really free and you're not thinking about all the stuff that you're attached to. And I remember we, we thought, we just were talking about, well, what if we moved down here? And that was sort of a typical conversation we would have, but this became more and more in depth. Like, well, what if we could work with this project or do this? Or what if we could buy land? And, um, and then we kind of just decided, like, between ourselves that that was what we were going to do, but we didn't tell anybody for, like, two or three months. Yeah. When we broke the news, people were a little surprised. <laughs> <laughs> who, was, who were the most surprised and who were you the most hesitant to share it with friends family uh, you know obviously you didn't, i guess you kind of had co-workers or people who might have worked for you like who was it that you thought hey we're gonna do this we're not gonna tell them but when we do this is gonna be yeah this is gonna be pretty shocking for them this is gonna require us to maybe be a little gentle and and wean them into it uh my parents bought their house in 1982 and okay. I think they've traveled maybe seven times in the last 34 years. Um, and so that was the number, those are, those are the number one people that we were kind of afraid to tell because they were hoping to have us, if we moved back to Portland, to stay in Portland for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah, and I, I think they, yeah, there was, there was sort of a talk of maybe we buy a house and we stay, you know, and that sort of thing. And so we, we didn't want to, 
we didn't want to hurt them at all, of course. Um, so we were sort of afraid to, to tell them, but you know, it, they're, now they're like, oh, you know, we're going to come visit you guys in Mexico. Like, why don't you guys buy a house in, in where you are? Because it's so amazing. So I think, you know, it, not to jump too far ahead, but um, yeah. It took about four months for them to be okay with it. There you go. Ah, that's a, in the in the big scheme of things, right? Four months is is a drop in the bucket at that point. And I, I it's interesting you say that because I was talking to another LI member in Portland from Portland actually uh, at the, when we were at the World Domination Summit, Michael. And same thing, he was saying my parents don't travel. I, I haven't been out of the U.S., but I really want to travel. This and that. And I was just saying, you never know what's going to happen when you make that decision to do something and who it's going to spur on to, to do something that they might not do. You know, I, I certainly that doesn't mean everyone in your life is going to come visit you guys when you're down in Mexico and certain people just won't do it. But there's a lot of people I think out there looking for an excuse to do something, even if they don't know that. And of course, having kids or, or family members go somewhere is, is the best excuse because you're like, oh, well, we have to visit them down here. So even if you think you don't like traveling, you could, oh, out of, you know, responsibility, they come down and all of a sudden it's like, they get to see something they might never see. It's pretty encouraging to see that, especially, especially I think with parents, with children doing that and then getting parents to, to, may, to maybe take a leap. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah it's, it's worked out really well. <laughs> so, all right. With you guys, then you, you, you started telling people, I want to dive into what, because I think a lot of people find themselves in this position where they're like, all right, I, we're going to do it. That's, I mean, everyone at some point in their journey will, will come to the decision where they say, all right, I'm going to take a leap and I'm going to to go fully location independent. And that means maybe selling your house, selling your stuff, getting or, or getting out of a uh, lease or a mortgage or, um, or renting or whatever. What did that look like? Because you said it was about a year period, maybe from when you decided, hey, we're going to we're going to get out of this. We're, we're going to do this to then actually getting down there or maybe a little less than a year. Talk us through how that worked and what you saw as like the obstacles or the things that you would do differently if had you known ahead of time? I mean, I think like, okay, so we started by just telling each other and it was sort of like this, like kind of awesome, you know, period of just nobody knows. And, and it's like this dream and, and you know, it, we're going to do it. And then we bought the tickets. I remember last summer. And we were just like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. Like there's a date. We bought the tickets for March 27th of this year. And then we, then we like sent out like an email and called people and just started telling people. And I think that's when it was really real because people, you know, they're like, okay, you're doing this. And so after that point, we're like, oh wow, we've got to get our stuff together. So we we were working really hard, like on our, on our different projects for our clients, um, trying to wrap up projects, but also trying to save money. So we were working almost harder than we normally would. When you have a goal and a ticking clock, um, it really sets things in motion because there's no other option, I guess, that really for other than you're going to leave on March 27th. And I'm kind of a cheapskate a little bit. And like, I wouldn't want to like not take the plane tickets. <laughs> right, right. And then you, you did something that made it real. And of course, you could cancel them or just not get on it. But really, you both want to do it. And I love that. You set an intention. You say, hey, we're, we're picking this date. Was it, was it arbitrary, like March 27th? Or was there any meaning around it? 
Kind now, of a funny, scary story. But <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Got a little bit. <laughs> what? What is that? Earth connection. Oh yeah, we were gonna do a um a volunteer project in April, but I also feel like part of the reason we chose that date was because it was like the cheapest, like on the flight for yeah. going on that date. But I mean, originally we wanted to leave in January, and then we were like, well, maybe we should push it a little further because we need more time and. In, in retrospect, it ended up being so much better. We had more time because, like, everything took so much longer to wrap up in Portland. <laughs> so. Even giving away things for free takes a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be amazed, right? And like you said, you'd be amazed at the stuff you've accumulated that you that you don't think about because you haven't used. All of a sudden, you've got this thing. You're like, I, I never touched this. I don't even know why I have it. And now I have to give it to someone else who probably will never use it and won't want it either. Yeah. Very, very, very difficult. So then how did you guys decide where, all right, so where are you right now? Um, Because we've got people asking that. And how did you decide to settle there? And what did that process look like? Like, how did you, how did you find the place that you're staying at? All the logistics there. Okay. So I'll I'll handle this one. Uh, It was my decision. Uh, Not really my decision, but uh, so I do, I do habitat restoration for my job. Um, for my career for the last five years. And um, it's a really, really big part of my life, which is, you know, rebuilding native plant populations, birds and everything like that. And so part of going independent was, okay, so what am I going to do? And so I found a, uh, we won't say the name, but a a restoration site um, about 50 miles south of a city where we are now called Merida, Mexico. Um, they were doing 101 acres of restoration with the eco village and kind of paradise. Um, and so we, we set ourselves March 27th. We flew out, we flew into Merida. We spent a couple of days here and, uh, April 1st was the start of the project. Um, where I don't know if you do any warnings on there, but don't pay people money before you go to places. If you've okay. seen them before. Volunteer places. Volunteer places, yeah. yeah. Um, so I wired the guy $600. Actually, I made a donation to him for $600 um, for the month. Um, and so we met him at a, we met the guy at a, a shopping center and he drove us um, an hour south of Merida. And I've never heard of Merida before. I've heard of Tulum and Cancun and places, but I never had ventured anywhere west of that. Um, turned out the project didn't really exist. Um, and the tiny house that we lived or that we were going to live in for a month ended up being an electrical shack with, uh, with two mattresses. Well, electrical shack is a very, is a, kind of a stretch because it didn't actually have electricity. <laughs> it was more of just a concrete box in the middle of nowhere with no water or anything. And we brought a let Nate bought me a life straw for my birthday, which was like for the trip. And we it ended up, I mean, it's come in handy so many times, but it really came in handy this time because we just filled it up with like the water from their house. And then because where we were at this little shack, it was like 10 minutes from their house um, on this huge property, like a hundred acre property. And so if you wanted water, like you'd have to walk all the way over there. And you know, it was like 
it was kind of going back centuries or something. It was, I mean, it was sort of interesting, but we were not ready for it. I mean, we had like 20 things that needed to be charged, you know, cameras and phones. And they're like, oh, we run a generator for two hours every night. And like, it doesn't have that much electricity. <laughs> so we just thought, oh man, why didn't we ask, you know, anyway, we learned, we learned a bunch about how to, to look for volunteer projects. Yeah. So, so you guys stayed there for, for a yeah. month? Okay, all right. No, no, we stayed there actually for one night. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, okay. I was going to say, I'm like, wait, I thought you were building two. And like, in the end, it all turned out good. I'm no, like, this no, doesn't sound did. good to me. We took two tours of the place. Um, and then, he, then I was like, and what else are we going to do? And he was like, well, nothing. There's no, there's no restoration. And I was like, he said, but if you want to buy a plot, you can be part of this for only 29500 for a quarter acre. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, but in that time, we actually, in those three days in Merida, we fell in love with the city. Um, and so when we left, we actually ended up having to walk uh, about 10 kilometers in 105 degree weather um, because they didn't have any transportation out of the place. Uh, so we went, we went and we took a bus back to Merida, rented a car and drove back and picked up all of our stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were, honestly, they were nice, they were nice. people. I think they just, Overwhelmed. they kind of didn't have like the way that their website made it seem wasn't where they, the level that they were at. They obviously needed help like volunteers, but we, you know, we didn't know what we were getting set up for. So uh, yeah, anyway, it, it was an adventure. It was an adventure. <laughs> Welcome to Location Independence, right? <laughs> you guys, you guys really, you didn't like having a lot of stuff in Portland. And so then you were left with, with nothing right off the bat, right? Yeah. No, not even electricity. Um, yeah. All right. So then, okay. So you, you got through that situation. You, you said, all right, we fell in love with Merida. Then, and, and you decided to bunk down in Merida, which is where you guys are at now. How did you go about finding a place there? Like what, because I think a lot of times, even, even myself who's traveled quite a bit, you know, that can be a bit overwhelming too, when you're looking for something for more than just a couple nights and, uh, you know, you're actually looking for something maybe a bit longer term. So I, I'm just going to put out a plug right now. I, I mean, it's not even for myself, but I love Airbnb. Like, I love them. I mean, I've even talked about, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to pitch an idea to do, like, a, a series, like a TV series about how Airbnb offers all these great experiences, and, like, we've used them a lot around the world. So, like, immediately we booked an Airbnb, like, you know, you can look at the reviews, and we booked this Airbnb that was, like, it was, like, $19 a night in Merida. And we got there. I mean, it had a pool. It had, like, we had our own private kind of casita. We loved the woman who, like, hosted the place. And obviously, we had electricity. We had all the things. And we are like, oh, my God, we're in paradise. So we kind of bunked there for about three weeks. And then we started to um, figure out the lay of the land in the city. And we kind of, we were looking on, um, like, online, um, you know, kind of more geared for expats, um, apartment listings and we started to notice that they were about twice as expensive as if you went on to the like the Spanish speaking ones so like huh okay so we started to realize well we, I think we want to live in Centro because we can walk to everything it's like the historical part and we had really fell in love with Centro and so um we actually went we were going to look at this one apartment 
And we, we went in there. It's actually just down the street from where we are. And it was like $75 a month or something, which is a room. But I think it was like mainly geared for college kids. And the place was sort of trash. Like it kind of smelled. And we were like, I don't know about this. So we kind of were like, bye. And we left. And then we saw another place down the street that was also for rent. It said like renta. And so we're like, okay, let's call. So I called and I'm using my Google Translate to like, because they don't, the person on the other line doesn't speak any English to say, we were looking for an apartment, you know, whatever. And so they come over and took them about half an hour. They said they'd be here in 10 minutes, but you know, everything takes a little longer here. Sure. Spanish or Mexican time. Yeah. Mexican time. And so they let us in and we're like, oh, this is an awesome place. And we're like, we'll take it. And it was, can I say how much? Sure. $200 a month, like for this awesome apartment in an awesome location. So depending, depending on where the dollar is, it's yeah, it goes from 200 down to, I think one time it was like $171 a month, which is. Yeah. It's, You're not it's, finding that in Portland guys. No. Uh, yeah, for, for anyone who's never been to Portland. Um, yeah. And I, I, that's a, that's a really good point. And so if people are looking at, I just want to hit that home. I, even if you can't speak the language, you know, I, I recommend getting there, maybe getting in for a week. And I always tell people this when they're going to Thailand too, because you can rent stuff from other expats and they'll charge you. You know, it'll still be a good deal because you'll be in Thailand, you'll be in Mexico compared to what you might spend. But if you get there and you spend some time on the ground, you're going to save yourself probably double. Um, and a friend of mine did something pretty interesting. I've never done this, but this was back kind of even before Airbnb. He would put out an ad on Craigslist for someone who lived in that city. I think he did in Istanbul and who was a local and said, Hey, I want you to find me an apartment before I arrive. Here's the things I want. Send me pictures of it. I'll pay you X amount to like find me an apartment. And, um, and you know, obviously the local person could, could speak the language, kind of knew who and where to go. And he ended up, you know, spending half the, half the money he would if he was to go himself. So. Really? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it takes some like finagling and you have to pay someone to do it and you got to figure it out. But if you're going to be somewhere longer term and you really can't go yourself first and, and spend a week trying to figure it out yourself or you don't want to spend a week, that, that might be something that you, that you might want to try there. So, all right. So you guys are in Merida. So talk about now what it's been like, especially the uh, the the work and the play side here. So you're in Merida. Obviously, you like it because you've been there for a while. What has it been like to get used to being in another country? And how has that affected the work you've done? Where have you found work? What does that look like? Yeah, learning Spanish has been definitely key. We've been we've been uh, we hired a local person to teach us Spanish, and so we've been we've been practicing learning the local language, which is. It's like key for any sort of travel. I feel that you should at least get the food order right, you know, because then that's that's a kind of goes from there. You know, you got to get the basics, like basics. how to order food. <laughs> but we connected with, uh, I mean, people say they come to Merida for like the culture, but they stay for the people. Um, and the people here are just everyone's welcome. Every single person in this entire town is. It might be like the nicest place I've ever lived. Like the people are so kind and um, you walk down the street and it's like, buenos dias, buenos noches, like depending on, you know, obviously the time of day. And it's just such a friendly place. Like I could walk around by myself at night as a woman and feel, feel safe. Um, but kind of like our, I guess like our day to day would be, um, 
we teach English. We teach English at a local soup kitchen. We help kids that, uh, I guess there's a problem with education. So we help them learn and do their English homework once a week. Um, but I guess we would be workaholics a little bit because we can't, even vacationing sometimes, we still are finding out some different things to do while we're here. We're not just on vacation anymore. Right. Um, so we're flying to Guadalajara on Friday to plant 100,000 trees. Um, <laughs> with a bunch of other people. With a bunch of other people. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope it's not just you two because we'll uh, never see you again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we're always finding stuff to do. I mean, and even like sometimes when we go out, because we're starting to get our blog and um, vlog established, like it's still very new, but we were constantly, you know, bringing our camera or bringing, you know, we have, we just got a drone. So we're always like looking for a way to tell the story. And so it, it is like work, but it's, it's the best kind of work. It's really fun um, to, to be able to document this and, uh, yeah, volunteering has been a big part of it too. We got we got a few recommendations for um, Yucatan Giving Outreach here, and they help like over twelve hundred people who need you know whether it's food or help with education and different things. And so the woman who started this organization is just this amazing powerhouse woman. And we yeah we met with her and five different people that we had met here were like had kept saying you got to meet Kimmy Suki, you got to meet Kimmy Suki. And so we met her and just loved her and so she's kind of kind of put us into the right um volunteer project so we that was another thing we learned with volunteering sometimes if you have the time we think at least in our experience it's better to just get to the place kind of settle in and then start getting word of mouth um recommendations for volunteer projects if you can um so that worked really well i know what they want instead of kind of what you see on the internet i guess is that yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it is, I think when you go slower, like for you guys, you've been in Merida now over or over a year, I guess. Um, you start to like same with the apartment, you start to find out what's going on and get a little bit under under the surface. And you certainly don't have to spend a year to be able to do that, but you know, a couple weeks turns into a couple months, and then you start to kind of um get yourself into the community and, and really find out the things that you want to do. For work, are you guys, if you don't mind me asking, and you could share as much as you want, are you guys living off of savings? Are you monetizing like the, the blog? What's, what's the plan right now? And then what does the longer term plan look like? So we've been here for, we've been here for just about three months. Four. Okay. Yeah. Four yeah. months. Since, since the end of March. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know. I said a year. I was thinking of when you guys bought, yeah, decided yeah. to go. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, right now is living off of some savings um, with planning it and going, you know, buying our tickets and things like that. We planned for this and there was going to be a gap between making money and um, and not, you know, with things like especially new stuff like blogs and online stores. It takes a little bit of time to, to grow and get your audience and everything like that. Um, so we saved up. I mean, we, we lived with my parents and we, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is fun. But, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, no, we saved. And then, um, Cassie is still 
working down here. She's uh, editing. Yeah, I'm actually able to edit and even use Skype to like do edit sessions with my client where we can watch Premiere, you know, the, the editing. It, it's awesome. Like just kind of realizing that we can still work for some clients remotely. So. And we have loyal people in Portland that really support us. So about two weeks ago, um, one of my clients flew me up there to work on our beach house. So, <laughs> you know, it's just little things like that, that, you know, the dollar goes so much further down here. So if you can make American dollars and live down here, that you can give a lot more than... Um, than yeah, yeah, we kind of found like, okay, so we're not going to be making the same income, but we're, our living expenses aren't going to be the same either. And so if we can just make as much money as we can and let that stretch and then have, now we're finding like we're able to have time to work on passion projects and volunteer and stuff that I don't think we would have had really that time to focus on before. So. Yeah. And one of those passion projects, which I, I love, and I want you guys to chat about a little bit because you talked about this, Nate, is like an online store. So that's one of the things that, that you guys have started and, and are working on growing. Talk about um, the plastic-free products in the plastic-free store that you're doing. Because to me, yeah, okay, you got a cup there. Nice. Uh, to me, that's that's just one of those neat things you're saying, all right, we want to do a blog vlog. Maybe that'll take off. Maybe it won't. That's kind of a fun hobby the plastic free store is something that's a passion project but but could very easily turn into something that really really gets the ball rolling somewhat quickly even yeah yeah so um cassie was cassie actually was the one she introduced me she was like oh there's uh you should listen to this podcast about drop shipping <laughs> um and i'm a little impulsive when it comes to like kind of cool things that i don't know about <laughs> So uh, Cassie was like, oh, you should listen to it. So I listened to it and I was like, oh, um, you know, I went back upstairs and I said, hon, I started a dropshipping store <laughs> without really knowing what dropshipping was. <laughs> right. So for people who don't know what dropshipping is, explain, explain that. So you are kind of the, you would be like a collection of items um, that have some sort of theme um, from suppliers. So if you do like a dropshipping store on camping, like you get suppliers that give or that have camping gear. And so you are the middleman between the distributor and the client. So you actually don't have any inventory. You, um, you just can, you know, you supply people with the, with the items. So, uh, and they handle all the shipping and everything for you. And then they also handle a lot of the customer service, which is great for me because sometimes when you're traveling, you don't have a lot of um, uh, reception or wherever. Actually, my first sale, we were trying to get online and I was like, I have to go on the website and I have to click through the, from the item to the customer. Sure. Uh, and I couldn't click it. I couldn't like click it. And so I was calling them and they're like, no, you don't have to. <laughs> do anything it's already right. we already shipped it <laughs> I was like, oh <laughs> i saw an email and i thought i had to like do like move something from one place to the other right um, so essentially you're setting up a store and for you guys it's, it's the plastic free stuff people it's almost like you're uh you like the marketing of it so you set up a store people come to your store they say hey i want this 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 they they hit purchase 
that order goes to the people who actually make it, the suppliers, and those suppliers send it directly to the customer. And you're all you are is is giving them a place to actually buy the products, not handling any product, not shipping any product. And like you said, not even handling a lot of the customer service. You're just doing the job of, hey, I'm going to find really cool products and get people to my page to see them and then they can buy it from there. Yeah. And the whole point, the kind of the whole point was we give um, a large percentage of the profits to nonprofits that do ocean cleanups. Um, and so that was kind of the, that was kind of the goal um, at first before money or anything like that. I, I enjoy helping, helping people. And so um, we connected with the Surfrider Foundation and it's actually pretty nice because people never really turn down. Like I always call people and I say, nobody's ever said no to like, hi, would you like money? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so they actually do promotion for us for, for that profit, which is really nice as well. Right. Very cool. And then, so is that, is that for you to the kind of the longer term goal? Is it, is it the plastic free store? Is it, Hey, ideally it'd be half plastic free store, half our own blog and vlog. What does it look like in your head? And I, it's going to change. We all know that like two months later, you have a different answer. Five months later, you have a different answer. But right now, what do you see as kind of the ideal for your balance between your different projects work and, and where the, you know, financial stability is going to come from and stuff like that? I'd say about half and half because I mean, um, the the blog and the blog we're hoping will also just be a vehicle to to talk about plastic free life and like how I mean we we're still figuring it out too like traveling because um, there's just so much plastic you know and everything that you buy and every all the food that you get um, but I think I think about half and half, half and um, like for me filmmaking it's, it's something I've been doing since I was eight years old really because my mom went back to film school when I was eight and so like it's just this huge passion like I, I just I have to do it and so like for me it's like okay we're gonna I'm always filming stuff so we're just gonna have to to make this vlog and um, I'm still working on on launching it right now but I think the the goal would be able to make monetize that and be able to um make money. So we, we did the paradise pack and we've been following Kara and Nate's um, course, which is really inspiring to see how they did it. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, 50, 50. Yeah. yeah. There you go. What do you guys, what have you seen in the, in the last three, four months that's been the most difficult part of taking that leap and being location independent, aside from maybe the fact that you slept in a concrete box uh, for a night. Um, well, what, have, what has been the, the obstacles or something that you've said, all right, maybe I didn't think about this. You know, It might've thrown us for a loop a little bit. Obviously, you got back on your feet and you're loving it overall. But what has that, what have that been? Like, is there one or two things you could point to as, as being more difficult than you might've imagined? Even like, I got, I got sick here and... I had to go to the hospital and I was like kind of afraid because I'm like, I don't know what the, what that's going to be like. And it ended up being like this amazing, I mean, experience because we got there like 15 minutes later, like we get to the emergency and like they let us in and do all the tests. And then, you know, I get the results back. I get the prescription because I had like a kidney infection, but, um, and it costs like $25 or something. Yes. And we're just like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> so everything has been fairly easy. I mean, I'd say just mainly like 
sometimes the heat has been hard in Marina. So, you know, we'll just take like a bus ride or rent a car and go up to the beach because it just get, it can get so hot. So it's a tough question right now because <laughs> that little part at the very beginning of our journey, we were thinking, okay, here we go. Like this is, everything has worked out in merit of very, very easy. Like we'll have even a small struggle and, um, yeah, I guess it's maybe because we're together and we can kind of, we can kind of back each other up and fight through a lot of the, you know, kind of the tears or, or uh, frustrations and then things just kind of magically work out, which is kind of like, I, I believe a little bit in fate, I guess, because it's like when things are really nice um, or things just magically happen, I'm like, we're kind of meant to do this right now, I think. Yeah, I think you guys also with your positive outlook and and just even when you were saying like, oh, these people are nice people, even though they put us in this concrete box, we had no electricity. And even some people were commenting like, okay, well, I think you're the nice people for uh, for thinking they're the nice people. But uh, but I get what you're saying. It's it's this idea that hey, we 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 took a leap, we did this, we came into it with a positive attitude. Obviously, everything hasn't been perfect, but it's so much better than just living a life. And I think this is what a lot of people feel when they do it. It's better than living a life where it's not exciting. And so even if something small happens, you're like, all right, that might be considered negative by other people. You're like, all right, that was interesting. We took a wrong turn and we ended up in this part of town and we've never been here. Oh, look at that cool mural. Oh, you know, like it's not a big deal because you're like, hey, we we put out all this effort to get here. We're going to enjoy it more than than maybe some other people who are just vacationing through or, or have certain time crunch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. That, and, and I, yeah, the positive attitude, it goes a long way. I wanted to just end on, on a question about location independence and about the location indie community for you. What have you seen as the most beneficial part of being a part of community uh, of a community like location? What, what has it given you that you said, hey, we really needed this in order to either start a location-independent journey or continue on it? For me, I'd say the masterminds um, have just been incredible. We're part of two masterminds. And like, like one of them meets when we all can, and then one of them meets consistently every Friday morning. And like the combination of both of those masterminds and the people who are in them are just it's so, it just like feeds my soul and like it just giving also that accountability of, you know, these are our goals and are they smarty goals and, you know, kind of uh, keeping each other in check and um, talking about what our struggles are if we have them. And like, I've gotten so much encouragement, I feel from, from the mastermind people to just keep following our passion and, and not give up. And so I think, yeah, and just kind of knowing that somebody's going to, you know, every week ask you, did you do that thing? Or, uh, you know, I don't know, in the back of your head, it's just such a good motivator. It's, it's been awesome. What about you? I, I honestly, like, not, <laughs> thank you so much for putting together the Paradise Pack. I'm not joking. I really, really, really love it. And I was, as I said, I, mean, I, don't, I don't spend money, to, like, very frivolously. Um, I usually kind of hold it to the chest, but, um, every single thing that we, we attended most of the, almost all of the, um, 
the, the webinars. webinars. Um, and every time I had any question in my head that I didn't even, I hadn't verbalized yet, you guys answered it. And it was really cool, kind of like, it really does give you kind of like the steps for, you know, continuing to grow an online store or blogging or vlogging or, you know, finding out I'm doing the branding you right now. Um, and that was just really good too. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to go down too many other paths, but I was like, oh, I could create a course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the beauty of when you get people together, whether it be like a product like the Paradise Pack or a community like Location Indie, because a lot of times when people get in and, and myself as well, when I get into a, a community or I get into a course, a lot of you, you put it really well, Nate, like you don't even know that you have those questions. Like maybe you've thought about it before, but it's it's been in the back of your head and all of a sudden someone's talking about something like, wait a second, I've been wondering how to do that. And, and but I probably would have never got even around to asking it because it was like there was 15 other things I didn't know how to do. And and that's one of the reasons we love having having you guys on on this call and doing the member of the month calls because there's so many people out there with different paths and different questions, but just hearing someone's story and relating them and saying, hey, they did it this way. This is going to help me, even though I might not go to Merida and I might be going somewhere else. But, oh, I heard them talk about getting rid of all their stuff when they're moving. And now, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I better start figuring that part out or whatever it is that you take away from it. We always say, Jason and I both, if if you go on one workshop or, or you go through one course and you get like one or two nuggets, which sounds small, like, oh, I went to a whole workshop, I went through one course, and I only picked out like one or two really important things, that's enough to go and completely change the trajectory of what you were doing, whether it's your your course or your life or, or what have you. And if you do come to Merida, we got a hammock for you. There you go. If you do want to come to Merida, these guys are the ones to talk to. They'll find they'll find you an awesome apartment for like not seventy five dollars, but two hundred. Pretty good. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much. You're super inspiring. Obviously, for people who are listening, the positivity is just radiating out of you guys. You're always enthusiastic and supportive and helpful, and I just love hearing your journey, especially because it was this idea a year ago, like, oh, like we should do it. Okay, let's just do it. Screw it. Let's do it. And now you're there living the life that, that you talked about you know, only a year ago and, and we're dreaming about only a year ago. So let people know one more time, where can they find the stuff you're doing? Where should they go um, if they want to check out more of the blog and also, of course, the Plastic Free Store? Yeah, so the blog is nativenomadlife.com. So N-A-T-I-V-E-N-O-M-A-D life.com. And, and then it's a plasticfree.store. There you go. Nice and easy. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank thank you guys so much. Um, it's it's amazing to hear your story. We really appreciate you being an amazing part of the LI community. Um, if anyone happens to go down to Merida, I've been there once. I've been to Merida. It's an it's a fantastic city or t- town city. It's kind of in between, right? Um, yeah. Um, hit these guys up, and if you are part of the LI community, and you're listening. Don't forget. Um, you can chat them up in the Mighty Network. They're always super supportive and helpful. And uh, guys, we just really, really enjoy having you as a part of our community. So thank you for all you've done. And congrats on being the member of the month this month. Thank, thank you, you so much. We love we love you guys and the community. And we really appreciate it so much. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank 
thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.